With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to PWI Live. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. It is Friday. That means we got five things for you to watch coming up tomorrow. Penn State versus Illinois. Big Ten play starts and the Nittany Lions are 2-0. Um, is this going to be a big game for Penn State or is this going to be a game they can handle? There's a couple of variables and factors as always that go into that and we'll get into some of the interesting nuances of what's happened to Illinois over the first two games of the season. Um, as always, if you're watching the show, you're enjoying what we're doing here on the YouTube channel, please like the video, subscribe to bluewhiteillustrated.com, uh, uh, and if you're new here on the channel, please subscribe to the channel as well. Uh, we got a, a lot coming up, and I want to make sure we get to all of it, so there's, uh, there's more than five things each week that you're looking for. I try to distill this into... Maybe some of the interesting things that will be the, the the big the big tectonic plates that shift throughout the game to decide how this one is going to go. Illinois does not look like they're in a good spot coming at one and one, struggling with Toledo, um, and then of course losing to Kansas in week two. Um, but that doesn't mean that they're a bad opponent. And that doesn't mean that they have no ability to challenge Penn State. There's some things they can do in this game. It'll be interesting to see how they play coming out of a situation where they may have to pivot. And that right there, that is where we're going to start with our five things to watch for. Number five. By the way, if you have any questions you want to chat throughout the, the show, uh, more than open to conversation here during um, during the show, especially afterwards, if you have any questions, if there's anything you want to talk about, anything you feel like I skipped over, uh, we'll be talking to you throughout the show. Keep the energy up. Uh, it's, it's one of those days for me today where it's Friday, it's week three, this is how you go 1-0 every week, right? Is you gotta, you gotta put in the work every single day. So bring some energy because apparently mine is uh, a little slow out of the gates today. But let's get to number five. Um, I don't know that you can change your stripes overnight. Uh, you can, in, in a playbook, you have different sections. You don't practice just one thing. Um, but but you do choose each week what you're going to major in. What are the what are the plays? What are the schemes? What are the things that you want to do against a a certain opponent? And for uh, Illinois, they have been for the last year and a half a very heavy man coverage team. Um, that hasn't gone well this year. But really, 
Nothing has gone well on the coverage end for uh, for Illinois. Last week, Kansas did a great job of attacking individuals within the defense to get them one-on-one with athletes in space. And um, this is where, where Illinois was really good a year ago of playing physical press coverage, shutting things down, and relying on their front seven to do the work uh, against the run. Now... Uh, it, it's not quite as good. So Tariq Barnes, let's look at him, middle linebacker, over um, the season so far, five for five. This is on targets that he's uh, he's seen. Five for five, 83 yards, one touchdown, and a perfect NFL passer rating so far. Are you putting players like Barnes and uh, Tyler Strain, players like that, in, in single coverage? Because Nick Singleton, Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren... These guys can make it a nightmare for the individuals in the secondary that are not the same level of players. So Illinois has Tavion Nichols, who's been good this year. He's their number one outside corner. Uh, He's number three. Good football player. He's been targeted three times this year. And this is kind of the, the what you can choose to do if you are a an offense is you, you can avoid a, a, a best player on a team. Um, the Penn State defense has seen some of the fewest targets through two weeks of the season of any college defense, and uh, Kalen King has seen virtually no targets so far this year, just like one or two so far. Kind of in the same situation, but you can attack whoever you want. So in, uh, in the, in the lead-up to this Penn State game, Tyler Strain, Xavier Scott, and Tariq Barnes have been the major target receivers for Illinois, and those are the guys that have struggled so far. Now, Scott is interesting. Xavier Scott is a guy that Penn State head coach James Franklin singled out as a good football player. He's their slot uh, defender, good run defender. Uh, He's been targeted 13 times so far this season, allowed five receptions for 58 yards. Strain, uh, three receptions for 48 yards. This is, and and Barnes, three receptions, 46 yards and a touchdown. All of this was last week against Kansas. So, like we said, this is what happened last week with Kansas found a way to exploit the guys they wanted to target and avoid the guys that they didn't want uh, to go near. So how does Penn State play that? That's going to be something interesting to me that we get to just a little bit on the show of how does Penn State play this? Do they attack different parts of the uh, of the defense for Illinois? Or do they, they, how do you, I guess what I'm trying to say is Kansas put a clear blueprint on film yesterday or last Saturday. Do you do the same thing? Do you go, okay, well, let's see if they can stop it again. Or do you try to adapt that knowing surely Illinois isn't going to do the same thing over and over and over again. And that's where man coverage versus zone coverage comes in. They want to play cover one, especially on third down and in high leverage situations. Um, After the first two weeks, that hasn't worked great. Uh, but nothing in coverage has really worked well. If you look at their overall coverage numbers, they're giving up yards in man, in zone, uh, cover one, cover three. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. So can they and will they change and go with more zone rather than man coverage this week? Penn State's got to be prepared for both because they do both. Nobody does just one thing. But what are you, um, what are you looking for in this particular game? So let's get to number four. Because I don't have a good answer for you there in terms of are they going to play man or zone. My my thinking here is 
eventually you're going to lean on what you want to do, and that is they want to play press man coverage, and that's going to be interesting to see. It could be a good test to see if Penn State's uh, running backs, their tight ends, can get individual coverage against those players that Penn State is trying to target on the middle of the field, or can can uh, Illinois rise to the occasion? Coming up at number four, though, we're going to look specifically at the quarter. Number four. So this is just kind of a question about Penn State's defense from week one to week two. Um, tackling early in the season is always an issue, and we saw Penn State struggle in week one, but then bounce back in the second week of the season. That's going to be something really important to keep Illinois behind the chains is uh, Luke Altmyer is an athletic quarterback. He can run. He can get out of the pocket. Kansas didn't allow him to do that during the game portion of the game last week when he was when they were behind and he was trying to pass and they were trying to get um, plays through the air. He was he was stuck in the pocket. They got pressure on him, but they also didn't allow him to get outside. That's been something that Penn State has struggled with this year so far. And when players got into the open field in week one, 13 missed tackles and 56 scramble yards from the quarterback. So that's something that Penn State uh, knew about, they worked on, and they tried to clean up. Now, Delaware, a very different team. A different team in week two that has different skills, a different style of passer, and you can see two missed tackles and only five scramble yards from the quarterback. It's also Delaware, right? So you you expect Penn State to be very good in that situation. Luke Altmeyer is a similar quarterback in terms of athleticism, maybe even a little bit more explosive than Garrett Green in week one. So is Penn State going to be able to play contain and that means defensive ends continuing to keep the quarterback in the pocket your rush lanes have to be good and you have to something we're going to get to a little bit later um you you want a certain style of rush there's a couple things you can't do which is get too far upfield and allow guys to get out into open space that's been something that penn state has struggled with through the first uh that first game of the season where missed tackles in open space and, and the defensive line in terms of who's got contain on the quarterback in the pocket, because there were a couple of times Abdul Carter and Hakeem Beeman were on stunts coming to the outside the pocket, right? So they are coming from the inside out, and they're the guys that are supposed to get the cleanup easy sack after the quarterback is flushed out of the pocket. They weren't able to do that in that situation. Are they, are they more gap sound this, uh, this week? Then we get into the run game. Everyone wants to know, is Penn State's front ready to go against Illinois? Um, shades of 2021, this is not the same Illinois offense. The offensive line, uh, consistency across the board is a problem for them. They have some good moments. They have some ability to create problems for Penn State's defense. And Penn State's defense is not in their gaps. But in terms of explosive playmakers, the running backs don't have the same pop. They don't have the same explosiveness that you want from uh, from the running game. And that's where Altmaier brings that athleticism into the backfield, right? They have um, the ability to move the chains. So don't give them that ability, right? Stay in your gaps. Some, the thing that we've talked about all season long and, and before in the preseason, can you play together and can you make everything right? Um, this is something to watch early in the game as well. Talking to Curtis Jacobs Wednesday after practice, one of the things he talked about is the defensive line is going to make their plays, and then the linebackers have to adjust and make them right. So this is something we've been talking about with the Penn State front seven is 
they do so many complicated things up front, it's almost impossible to hit your target every single time on every single play. And the linebackers, their job is to adjust and adapt. And if Illinois is doing things early in the game that cause them issues, communication between drives and communication between plays is something that they have to make sure that they're buttoned up on. We've seen on film before, even when the veterans on this team make mistakes, they adjust even before they go to the sideline. So keeping contain on this offense, I think that's a number that's number four here, but it, it's probably number one when it comes to playing the Illinois offense is making sure that if um, if you're not in your gap, <laughs> you get in your gap next time. And if you aren't in somebody else isn't in their gap, you have to adjust and adapt, especially up front where they're they're just all it is so hard to watch this defense sometimes in terms of understanding on film what was meant to happen and what happened during the play. And that's something that, you know, obviously Penn State understands and they're cleaning up. James Franklin happy with his team in terms of missed assignments from week one to week two. Again, it's Delaware. There's going to be a different level of challenge back to something similar to what West Virginia brought to the table. And and this offense is not as good in certain aspects as the West Virginia offensive line. The West Virginia offensive line from left to right they were a cohesive unit. They played really well together. They had a really smart rushing attack. There's elements of that. There's a good plan of attack here. It's a bit more traditional in terms of we're going to hit certain guideposts of this is a Brett Bielema offense. There, there's not as many adjustments and wrinkles, and it's more we're going to do what we do instead of like trying to have multiple layers in the offense to counter what we expect you to do. So there's a lot of, you know, tr traditional zone uh, counter off of that. And then, you know, kind of that basic running package that we've seen from teams uh, so far in that particular mold. They're going to be similar to West Virginia in the, in the style of attack, but then it's going to be about the level of play, especially on the right side of the offensive line where they, they're not quite as strong. So this particular group, I think that's... Um, that's going to be a big part of this game is Penn State and that defensive matchup is Penn State bigger and more athletic and ready to take advantage of those weaknesses or are they going to give up some mental errors and allow Illinois to run the ball and get into consistent yardage um, where they can keep themselves ahead of the sticks and that's going to we're, we're going to get into that a little bit later as well when it comes to the pass attack and how I think you derail what you want uh, what Illinois wants to do before we go any further I want to tell you about today's sponsor of the show and that is if you've been watching lately called Dara labs they are a men's skincare product line um, that want to help you age gracefully um, there's a lot of stuff out there in the world that is trying to poison you as I've found toxins VOC CFC CFLs uh, HOAs IRS, I, I don't know. There's a lot of chemicals out there in the world. There's a lot of things that are going to and want to um, attack your body. And if you want to make sure that you don't have all of those on your skin from day to day, try the Clean Slate from Caldera Labs. They uh, are a men's skincare line, as I said, that provide premium products that will help you age gracefully. And not even just age gracefully, just take care of yourself the proper way of making sure that you um, aren't just allowing uh, gunk from your life to just build up on your skin. Clinical trials have found that 94% of men, men's skin showed a uh, overall younger looking appearance 
after using Caldera Labs. So this is something that is not just an anecdote thing. This is this is uh, there's science behind this. There is medical testing behind these things, and uh, they have a the serum, the icons. So this is the one I was talking about. Their icon serum um, addresses the most common skin concerns around the eye, fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. And if you look at my face today, I used it today. I have significantly less of those. I have found having actually used this stuff, it it works. So check out Caldera Labs and use the promo code BWI. When you use the promo code BWI with Caldera Labs, uh, you get 20% off. BWI, uh, use the promo code BWI23 to get 20% off with promo code BWI23. So check out Caldera Labs. Um, going here into the chat, Mike says, don't feel this is a trap game with Illinois' dreadful start. Hope I'm not blinded by the shiny new version of PSU football. More confident in the version, this version's focus and ability to be multidimensional. Offensively, absolutely. Uh, there's, there's some interesting things here. And by the way, appreciate Michael here. Appreciate everyone on the show today. I'm just going to stop for a second and address something. I'm totally off my game today. I hope it looks like I'm coming through and then we're having a strong show, but I am totally off my game today. So I appreciate everyone here in the chat uh, providing some support when, you know, maybe it's 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 second and 13 for me to start the show today. House of Class says, I'll take elite pass blocking left tackle over elite run blocker all day. Olu is decent in run blocking, though it's not like he sucks at it. This is something we're going to address at the end uh, when we get to number one, because I'm very fascinated, not necessarily by Olu specifically, but the conversation here in the chat has been something we, we addressed yesterday that has been on other Penn State football video breakdowns. Is Olu's run blocking has not lived up to top five billing of uh, elite offensive tackle in the country. That's fine. I kind of agree with House of Klaus here in terms of I'd rather an elite pass protector of that position than an elite run blocker. You'd love to have both. I think Olu is capable of both. This is a good test to find that out. But let's get to number three on our countdown of the things we're doing. Number three. Okay, I'm warm. I'm warming up. Literally, I'm cold. <laughs> my wife refuses to let me turn the heat on. I didn't turn my studio lights on. So I'm like, I'm like shivering while trying to talk to you today. And it is completely throwing me off my game. But let's get into what I think is the most interesting part about this game from a schematic standpoint. How is Penn State going to attack the Illinois rushing game uh, and their rush defense? Everyone knows Jazan Newton and that front, that front four, and really front three, the three defensive linemen in the interior, are the strength of the team. How is Penn State going to attack that? Are they going to go 11 personnel and spread out to run? Or are they going to go like they did last week and go 12 personnel and force Illinois' other defenders to get into the run game? Now, against Delaware, they were able to bully the edges of the defensive line. They were able to get into the secondary with their tight ends. This is a better team. Shocker, right? So are you going to be able to physically dominate those situations? Or do you want to bring three receivers on the field and spread this team out to run? So a lot of the things that Kansas did uh, to get so many rushing yards on Illinois, they spread them out. And, and sometimes they were in 12 personnel, but they spread them out by running laterally, attacking the edges, the edge defenders. So, so they run a three down front. Illinois runs a three down front with two outside linebackers, right? Traditional 
uh, five-man defensive line. They essentially just opted to not run through the middle of the uh, the, the Illinois defense. They, there were maybe one or two times where they ran actually like inside zone action or man action during in, into between the tackles. They ran a lot of quarterback option, a lot of quarterback option pitches, and a lot of lateral side sideline to sideline making these guys, especially at the second level, run. Penn State doesn't have a quarterback that can do that in particular in terms of the option play and the quarterback running threat putting edge defenders in conflict. And I don't think Penn State wants to do that, but what version of attacking the edges of this defense are they going to use? Are they going to use what they did last week, which was a similar style of defense? Not the exact same, but a similar style. They're going to go two tight ends, condense the formation, and try to attack the, the corners? This is a team built on... They, these guys can tackle. So, like, the, they're a bigger, more physical defense. That's what they want to do. They want to get downhill. They want to play physical in the run. They want their corners to be a part of it. They want to cover, and they want to take everything away from you. Um, if you put those linebackers in space, that's where they get in trouble. So, can Penn State run laterally on this team? And that's going to be my biggest question. Um, and then when it comes to attacking them uh, in the passing game and playing off of that. Because once they got uh, Illinois running laterally, talking again about Kansas, they were able to then attack vertically because they were spreading the defense out and those those interior defenders are not great. We talked about um, Tyreek Barnes and, and how he's not a a great coverage linebacker. Neither of their coverage linebackers, their linebackers are good coverage linebackers. That's where every team is going to attack. So is Penn State going to try and condense the formation and then get a middle linebacker on Nick Singleton? Or are they going to put three receivers out there and try to get Keandre Lambert-Smith on a safety? You're going to see both, but what's the percentage this week? Because we've seen Penn State predominantly play two tight ends. I think that that's playing into the strength of the Illinois defense if you condense the formation. If you spread them out wide and you try and run around the edges, um, outside zone, is gonna, I, I think, should be a big part of this game. Um, some of the other things that they've done in the past where they've they've used man concepts, but they've, they've changed the angle and the launch point so you're not aiming at the A-gap, you're aiming at the C-gap. I think some of those things in... Um, in this game might be a, a big part of what Penn State tries to do. See Paul King here in the chat. He says, I love the look of 12 personnel. Seems that it's almost guarantees positive yardage on early downs. Um, so far this season, yes. This particular defense, Jerzon Newton, they move him all over the defense. And that's that would be the concern is, does he individually wreck your game plan in the run game? Because he's a guy that is capable of doing that. How you run at him, around him, or force him into conflict. Kansas did a great job of that. And I just, I, I put these out of order because the number one thing, you guys are getting to it <laughs> early in the chat, is like getting to how does Penn State attack this particular front. Kevin says, do you use Bo Perbula? If there was a week for Penn State to use Bo Perbula, it would be this week. It would be using him in that situation in a package for uh, him. Uh, C. Paul King says, should definitely have a package for Bo. Haven't seen that any of this year. Maybe saving it until they really need it. And that's the question. Do they really need it this week? Or are they going to save certain things for later? I, I don't believe teams are going to save things. James Franklin talked about, talked about putting 
things on tape that other teams have to worry about. So Bo Perbiel running their read option game in the third quarter and seeing how effective he is at it, that's putting that on tape. Uh, so let's get to number two in our countdown of how Penn State attacks Illinois. Number two. At, at a certain point this year, Penn State's stars need to show up. They have played a an egalitarian defense, right? Everyone is a part of the success. I, hopefully, I used egalitarian in the proper sense there. But here's my point. Adisa Isaac, Chop Robinson. I think fans have pointed out they have not been a part of the conversation very much this year. They have four total pressures between the two of them through two games. Teams are taking them away. In, a, in, pass ring, in pass rushing situations, obvious passing situations, they're getting double teams and chips. But at a certain point, your stars have to be your stars. And it shouldn't always be that they have to rush around the outside, right? You should be able to, run, you should be able to rush certain offensive linemen um, either inside, outside, bull rush, have multidimensional moves that get you quick wins. And that's what I'm looking for in this game is not necessarily that they get sacks, but how they get pressure. This is an offensive line in passing situations that gives up quick pressures, immediate losses. Penn State has the last two games seen a passing attack that has not held onto the football. Screens, quick passes, and quick decisions to go deep. Designed deep passes where the quarterback kind of just launches and throws right after the snap, giving his, you know, not waiting for routes to develop downfield, just go balls where you're looking for timing and placement of the football in man-to-man in -man coverage situations. So there hasn't been as much work for the defensive ends, but there should be in this game. There should be quick wins, elite pressures for especially Chop Robinson and Deny Dennis Sutton if they're rushing off that right side. That's... At a certain point, that has to come up because Penn State's going to need that against other Big Ten teams later in the year where you have dominance from certain positions. We have seen Chop Robinson especially, and I want to give him a shout-out for doing dirty work to get other guys free. And if you're going to chip and you're going to you know use your running backs and your tight ends to attack the edge rushers, that has left Abdul Carter open in the middle to, to attack up the middle of the defense. And we saw that against West Virginia. He had five pressures, two, uh, was it two sacks, one sack or two hits, something like that. So he's, he's had an effect. Penn State has found a way around that. Yeah. Five pressures, a sack and two hits. There are answers if these guys don't get pressure, but you do want to see them get it. It's at a certain point, kind of like we haven't seen the secondary get many interceptions. Are those guys, who's going to be the next ball hawk? They have had no opportunities to do so. Somebody asked me recently, what have you seen from Cam Miller? And I was like, I haven't seen anything. They haven't thrown. Nobody's thrown on Penn State so far this year. It's hard to really get an understanding of, of what they're able to do. So another thing about this situation and getting pressure is absolutely critical uh, for, for this particular game. Because you look at, Luke Altmaier in, in the first game versus the second game, and the clear difference was Toledo didn't get pressure on him. And Altmaier is kind of a, a traditional college quarterback. First read, if it's there and he throws it, strong arm, good zip on the ball, gets the ball into, into, the, into, into the window, into tight coverage. He can operate that way. But this offense um, against Kansas... 
when when Kansas got pressure regularly, he was three of thirteen and uh had a passer rating like of 50 or something like that so getting pressure is absolutely critical to getting this team off schedule it starts with a run game absolutely it starts with the run game and making sure you can get them in situations where they can't use rpos and they can't use screens and they can't use all the parts of their their passing attack that are a part of a run first team's mentality because this is a run first team they don't want to lean on the passing attack. They're not trying to throw the ball down the field. And that's what the game script happened when uh, Kansas got ahead, right? And that's a huge part of this is don't go three and out on offense and make them chase you on the scoreboard because the minute that the game pressure puts the load on Altmaier's shoulders to make multiple reads, get past his first progression, give him things he hasn't seen before, he tends to lock up like a lot of college quarterbacks. So don't give them the obvious answer. Penn State likes to play press man coverage, and they have the athletes to shut down most passing attacks. But sometimes it's not necessarily about shutting a team down with your skill. It's about forcing the other team to do something they're not good at. And making Altmaier make full field reads or get to his second read, that's going to cause him to drop his eyes and try to run, which is why contain is where we started because you want to make this this quarterback stay in the pocket, and Kansas didn't allow him to get out and use his legs as a threat during the competitive portion of the game. So if he's kept clean and they throw quick screens and, and Penn State isn't ready for all of those things, which they will be, you can, this offense can stay on schedule. They can cause some problems because he's, you know, he's got a good arm. He can throw the full field. But when when the game pressure is on, they simplify the offense. They give him simple reads. And he doesn't necessarily get to the next thing and the next thing. And that's where Drew Aller shines. And that's why he's kind of a different player on the college football level. Stephen Light says, the stars will shine tomorrow. And I think that's something that if if you're going to play tight coverage, your slot corners, um, your linebackers all have to be on key. So you don't want to give Illinois your middle linebacker versus a running back in a situation where they've designed a screen or a slant pass or man coverage rub routes and give them open throws to get six yards and get them back on schedule. So contain and then force the ball in the quarterback's hands. It's the same script as every week for Penn State's defense, but with this particular team, kind of like in week one, if you can keep them uh, away from schedule, they have a hard time of really operating the offense in a functional way, which is why it was shut down for a good portion of the first half. Okay, so let's get to number one. Let's put kind of a, a capstone all of this, then we'll have a conversation about the game because this is my biggest question about this particular team and what I think Penn State's mentality might be. Number one. So we talked about how uh, Kansas attacked this defense and how they avoided running in the middle. Is Penn State going to do that? Penn State, are, are they going to try and play big boy football against a defense designed to take away big boy football? You know, not only is it that they have the strength of the team on the interior with Newton and the, and the rest of the guys up front, but they also, again, they play a three-down front. They have those big physical middle linebackers that are, that are keyed up to take away runs between the tackles but Penn State has some guys that have shown they can 
They can maul. They can mix it up. It's going to be strength on strength with J.B. Nelson and what we've seen from Caden Wallace and his his next-level strength in terms of getting into double teams and down blocks and making a physical impact and moving guys off the football. The offensive line has not been perfect in terms of getting to all of their blocks, and there have been some areas where they could clean it up where Penn State hasn't had explosive runs because you haven't given Nick Singleton and Katron Allen a... a uh, a takeoff path like a, a fighter jet, right? They've had they've had some rocks and some some stuff in the way that has prevented them from having a clear run at the safety on a bunch of plays. So those explosive runs haven't been there, but the yardage and the efficiency. James Franklin talking about efficiency. They've moved guys off the ball. They've been able to get that that uh, vertical push. Can they do that enough times against this defense? Because I think Penn State wants to play with their classic pocket quarterback, and Drew Aller is going to run some in this game. It's got to be a part of it to keep the defense honest. But does Penn State just play straight up and not try to find a wrinkle to, to go around the immovable object? Because they have a massive offensive line. They're averaging like 320 pounds up front. So what's that? what's all that beef for? Are you going to see something from Caden Wallace this week and from J.B. Nelson and from the tight ends that says, we are more physical than the team whose whole identity is physicality? I'm interested in, in that particular attack because if Penn State wins that way, that's, um, that's a statement. That's a statement for the rest of the Big Ten and for college football that this is going to be a dangerous team throughout the, uh, the college football season for real. They've got many, many ways they can beat you, including smash mouth football with a quarterback that sees the whole field. Uh, and then from Caden Wallace's perspective and, and from a pass protection standpoint, John Newton has seven pressures and two sacks so far this year. For a 295-pound guy that looks like he's 320, he's just a massive individual that moves really well. How do they contend with him? How do they play him as a pass rusher because on early downs he's going to line up head up or just inside a tackle he's going to go against tackles and guards in the run game in the pass game they're going to line him up inside and they're going to line him up all over the front and try to find the weakness of the Penn State offensive line so is JB Nelson ready to go uh in terms of where he where his pass protection development is so far then Salim Wormley that right side and the interior in general so far this year has struggled with pass protection and stunts and slants, and I would absolutely expect that Illinois is going to try the same thing. They're going to use some twists up front and bringing Newton uh, around the horn up the A-gap across the center and see if they can get a free rush at the quarterback because Drew Aller's been great in pocket mobility. This is, a, again, this is just another level of a test from that perspective. And then from Caden Wallace specifically, he hasn't seen an elite speed rusher this year, a guy that's a NFL draft pick, first-round conversation point. He will later this year, um, but he also hasn't seen speed specifically. This, this, the, He won't see it this week, but there's power and there's strength up front for Illinois. So how does he contend with those situations? Because we've seen hot and cold from him. Uh, West Virginia did not attack the tackles. They attacked the interior of the offensive line, but he performed well in those situations, and then against Delaware, he allowed three bad pressures and had a, a you know, an average Caden Wallace day, which is hot and cold, good stuff, and then some, ooh, like, you know what you did. 
You, you, we all saw it. We, we know what you did. We're, we don't need to go deep into it, but, um, that's, that's going to be a big part of this game is does the Penn state offensive line have, uh, that next gear to take this game and make it about them and their progress and everything that Penn state fans have wanted, because if that's the case, this game becomes very easy for the Nittany lions. That's that's you you overcome the strength of this defense, which is the front three, front five, the big strong 265 pound defensive ends, the 305 pound defensive tackles, and then suddenly you get what you want from this defense because they have to adjust, and that's really what happened with Kansas is they got what they wanted in the run game, those plays started working, and then the adjustments that they made they were systematically attacking Illinois based off of every part of their game plan so if step a doesn't work then b won't work as well and you're kind of then trying to find the thing that works instead of having the cohesive game plan that you brought in that particular attack work so let's let's review penn state coming into this game is uh is illinois going to play man or zone because man hasn't been working their coverage in the secondary hasn't been great anyway so how does that, how do they adjust this week and what should Penn State prepare for? I still think that they're going to lean on what they know in high leverage situations, but they may play much more zone than we're used to. Contain the quarterback, keep him in the pocket, contain the running game, don't allow them easy yardage, make them work for all those yards. They may still get them, they may still win, but don't give them anything easy. How do you attack the, uh, the front five? Three or uh, 11 personnel or 12 personnel? Condense or spread to run? That's going to be a question all year long. And then from there, what do you use those guys in the passing attack to do? And that's where, kind of coming back to number one, these two are linked. If you can run on Illinois in 11 personnel, they're, they have very few answers in terms of guys that can cover and play the run and play all that extra space. If Penn State can't do that and they have to rely on 12 personnel and two tight ends, I think we're going to see similar to what we've seen with big play action passes, max protect, and two or three man routes. But I think ideally you'd like to put it on film. Hey, we can spread an attack with three receivers, Keandre Lambert Smith lining up everywhere, and uh, get them on their heels. Number two, defensive ends got to play an elite game. They've got to come in and dominate. There is the ability, I would say, even on the interior to get quick wins and pressure, which we haven't seen from Penn State in a while. So that will help shut down the and and if you do contain and you early down you get your success, then your pass rushers have to be your pass rushers. And then finally, how are you going to play this team and do we see a step forward from the Penn State uh, offensive line? So that's what I got. You guys have any questions? You want to go through anything else? Any uh, anything you want to know? See, Paul King says Jamil Lyons looked really good when on the field. Will he get more time in upcoming weeks? BWI uh, has. Uh, uh, yes, Jimmy Lyons had the best hit in the Delaware game for sure. Um, I don't know that he sees a lot in this particular game. One thing that we didn't cover today that we've talked about uh, on the show yesterday and then, of course, at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, I mean, Vanover maybe is returning. We saw him at practice for the first time. Maybe he's here this week. Maybe he isn't. And now you're trying to figure out how to get Zariah Fisher on the field. If it's a blowout, yes. But if you're saying, does Jameel Lyons work into the two deep? No, I don't think that that's the particular, um, that's not the particular game script for him going forward. I think he's a guy that they want to get experience. They want to get him as comfortable as possible. He might burn his red shirt, 
but we're not talking about him like deny Dennis Sutton last year. And with the return of some defensive linemen, maybe this week, that might be um, that might be something that you you're not looking you're not going to see unless it's a game like UMass. So in a couple of weeks, sure, but but I, I wouldn't pin him as somebody who is working his way into the two deep. Fishboy asks, who might make the travel roster that we don't necessarily expect to? Hmm. Um. I don't know about necessary the travel roster in terms of guys that go, but guys that might play that are on the travel roster we might not expect. Um, looking at the linebackers and safeties, I think there's some interesting things going on. And what I'll say is some of the stuff that watching the film from last week, go to bluewhiteillustrated.com. We had a conversation about this on the on the message board thread about the the Sam position, linebackers, safeties. I think there's some interesting things there that we can we we're learning a little bit more about what this young class of 2023 has done to the overall depth and where they're moving guys around on the roster. That's um that's a really good question though. And I I'm I'm curious to know <laughs> I want to know the answer to that too. Because there's, I think that there's some stuff going on behind the scenes. Some guy says, part of me wants to just dominate this game and have a very simple offense. The other part wants Yersich to open the playbook, give us a taste of the evil genius for the year. So this is a great point. And this is kind of the 11 or 12 personnel conversation. The passing game and where they attack and how they attack. Penn State has the horses. They have the, the quarterback to attack the full field. You're going to see that in the game, but then it becomes what percentage of are they going to lean on Drew Aller and avoid running the ball as the primary plan on Saturday, or are they going to attack in a different way? It's easier to attack with three receivers than two tight ends, even if they're good tight ends and really good. The fastest tight end, Theo Johnson, is one of the slowest wide receivers on the team. The fastest wide receivers create dynamic issues with uh, the passing attack of stretching zones, getting into places that other teams can't react to in time, and creating bigger windows for the quarterback. So does your offensive line hold up against one or two excellent football players that can wreck the game? Because if he can't stand in the pocket or he can't step into the pocket, and that's a big thing with a, a dominant defensive tackle, it's harder to step in the pocket if the pressure's coming from the interior. You can still roll out. You can still find different ways to get around that pressure, but Newton could absolutely break down a passing attack quickly and get you in negative yardage. And that's the thing about this, and, and, and Fitz made this point last, uh, last show on Thursday that I think was very good, kind of like the same thing with West Virginia. Don't go three and out and get those front defensive tackles tired. Once they're off the field, you can do what you want. The depth is not good. So you can run inside zone on the second drive if the, if the starting defensive tackles aren't out there because their depth is not as stout. So how do you attack and how does that create issues for the other team? Because even if they, even if they, are, they don't get explosive plays, but once again, they're methodical, they stay on the field, that's going to cause some massive issues for Illinois. Um, Grubby says... Grubby421 says, Drew Aller hasn't taken many deep shots so far. Is this team being conservative, risk-averse, or should he be taking more shots downfield? I would... The, the last two teams, by their nature, have been conservative and kept a safety in the middle of the field or kept four deep in order to limit the explosive plays. Penn State still got explosive plays in the first game. 
against Delaware, <laughs> literally they kept sometimes four safeties, five safeties deep, and just played with coverages that they were disciplined to not bite on things and open up voids and, and bust coverage. So were there plays that Drew Aller could have made that would have been more explosive in the passing game? Yes. He missed a couple of throws. But overall, he made the right decisions, and the right decisions were throw it underneath and let your athletes be athletes against Delaware. So I want to say no. He's not being conservative. That was what last week especially, and we always react to the last thing that happened, right? The last thing that happened was Delaware played, and I know that you want to say it's Delaware, you should get whatever you want, but they aren't a bad team. You don't throw into double coverage or into windows that aren't actually there just because it's Delaware. He was doing the things that the quarterback is supposed to do in that situation. And you saw when they went to more aggressive coverages where they kept fewer players out in, in pass defense and they blitzed or they, they, um, they played more traditional coverages without free defenders wherever they wanted to place them. Drew shredded the defense on that two-minute drill. So I, think, I don't think that's the issue. Um, and then it becomes, like we talked about in this game, are we going to see opportunities for him to take shots? Because if if Illinois is playing you know, three deep coverages, they're playing off coverages, not allowing Keandre Lambert-Smith, Trey Wallace, Malik McClain to get deep, then I do think that this is in a situation where you will see uh, a conservative version because that seems to be the kind of what teams want to do to Penn State is make your your sophomore quarterback continue to make decisions. But the thing we're learning is that uh, he can make those decisions and keep you on the field. There was a question here um, earlier in the chat that I didn't get to early, uh, right away, but I want to get to. And this is generally the, the, part, the point of the question is, Kelvin Davidson says, I hope to get the running backs and tight ends involved. If, if Penn State is smart and they are, they are going to try and get the tight ends, I think especially Theo Johnson, singled up aggressively down the seam against a defender. One of those middle defenders, whether it's a slot corner, the linebackers we talked about, I think him against the, the Will linebacker for Illinois is an extreme mismatch. And then find a way to manipulate the safety and get an explosive play to the tight ends down the seam. This is a game that can happen. If they're playing soft zone coverages... It's going to be the same thing you've seen where maybe they'll get them underneath targets and try to get them to run through, you know, in that first line of defense. Um, but I, I think that this particular game, because the nature of Illinois is to want to play a single high defense, stack the box and take away your run game, there are the opportunities for those tight ends to make explosive plays where there hasn't necessarily been as easy of a situation, especially in week one where they planned on keeping guys in to block and max protect. So that's that's where I think the tight ends haven't seen as many targets as, you know, Theo Johnson not having as many targets. He's been asked to do other things, run block and pass protect because of the situational aspects of the last two defenses they faced. This is a situation where they could absolutely find themselves targeting the tight ends quite a bit. Michael says, uh, Bo in the wing T, call it T, Frank. I, I, I don't want to take Drew Aller off the field at any point. So let me say that. I don't want to take Drew Aller off the field because the most efficient way of moving the football is having him throw it. And losing that, the danger of that, that is a limiting factor. You have now limited your offense. But somebody else said, I wanted to see a, uh, yeah, says a, a three quarterback package. What if you had two of them out there? 
I mean, I, I'm not I'm not saying the whole game, but let's say it's the third quarter. You're up 21 to seven, and suddenly Bo Perbula is out there, and and he gives you the option element, and you still these never work. By the way, <laughs> what I'm drawing up, what I'm talking to you about, these never a, a rolling pocket where you've got uh, Bo Perbula, and then on the backside Drew Aller is an option. It never works, but it's always fun to think about more than anything. Um, so I think that that's um, that's the game really we've we've covered the main elements of this uh so far <laughs> david back is back he says 2023 big 10 champ steve frank he's always here with that positivity for penn state football fans so um i've gotten off my chest what i wanted to talk about i think the biggest thing is keeping luke altmeyer off schedule um that's going to be something that penn state should be able to do and when you do that uh it becomes a situation where there aren't a lot of answers left for illinois other than guys making plays and some freak mistakes and and getting him in space and, and attacking that way um so that is today's show we will be back tomorrow to break everything down further on the penn state tailgate show you can check that out here on the blue Whale illustrated youtube channel and of course uh seven mountains seven mountains media 99.5 the bus and i promise you for everyone that's watched the tailgate i want to thank you for helping uh get us through the first two weeks with our audio issues I promise you, you have crystal clear audio because we're broadcasting from the studio tomorrow. There's no way around us having really good audio on the stream tomorrow. So that's coming up. Hope you check that out. And of course, the post-game show coming up after that. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Big day for Penn State football. Big day for Blue White Illustrated coverage. Sign up right now, bluewhiteillustrated.com. We'll see you then. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.